So I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. As I said, we're looking at the life of Jesus. We're going through and trying to see what Jesus was really like. Because the Bible says, when we see him, we shall be like him. An amazing verse. It says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. As we see Jesus, we're changed and we like him. And it's an amazing process. Some people think you have to try hard and be good and self-effort and, and work your way up. But actually, the Bible says, see Jesus for who he really is, and it'll change you. And that's amazing. So, Lord Jesus, we want to see you today, please. Lord, we want, to, we want to be changed from the inside out. Instead of rules and effort on our own part, we want you to change us from the inside. And so, Lord, we ask you, now open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open my heart to see you properly as you really are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So, Luke 5, verse 17. Now, it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that's Jesus, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. Now, these people, so imagine the scene. Jesus is sitting in a house, and there's Pharisees and teachers of the law. They've come, the Bible says, from Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem to hear and to speak to him. So they've come from a long way away, but they've come with the wrong motive. They've come with the motive to try and catch him out and to criticize him and to find out where he's wrong. Instead of to learn with their hearts open, they're asking questions with the wrong motives. And Pharisees and teachers of the law, the teachers of the law, sometimes called scribes, were the experts. These were theology experts who'd been to Bible school and had doctorates and letters after their name, and they'd studied all the biblical texts. They were PhDs in theology, and they thought they had it all together. And then the Pharisees were like the people who followed the scribes or the teachers of the law. So they were also similar in that kind of religious vein. And it says they were sitting there from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's an amazing verse. The power of God was there to heal people, but these people were there with the wrong motives to criticize and question, and so they weren't getting healed. Others were getting healed, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law weren't. An amazing picture. Verse 18, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, so there's this man who's paralyzed. I don't know if you know anyone who's paralyzed or if you've ever been paralyzed. But paralysis is a horrible thing. You have parts of your body that don't work. You know they're supposed to work. You know what they're supposed to do. You can remember how they used to work and you can see other people whose bodies work. But yours doesn't. And it doesn't feel either. You can poke it with a pin and put it on a fire and you don't feel the pain. There's a, a deadness and a lack of sensitivity and a, a real hemmed in. You can't move. You can't do what you like. You look out the window. You see people playing football, but you yourself cannot move. Paralyzed, stuck, hemmed in. A prisoner Believing and wanting for so much more and thinking and remembering so much more and yet completely um, limited in what you can do. And this man was paralyzed. And these people, the Bible, uh, Mark and Matthew tell us there were four of his friends. They sought to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So there's... These people, four friends with this paralyzed man, and they were just trying to get into Jesus' presence because there he would be healed. <laughs> it's an amazing picture. I, I, 
often when I read this story, I think, what was driving these people that they were willing to do so much and go to such lengths to get into Jesus' presence? What had they heard about Jesus that made them think that he could help? Anyway, let's read on in the story. Verse 19, And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So they're trying to get in and the crowds are in the way. There's crowds of people all around and they're stopping them from getting into Jesus. And it says that they didn't give up. They found a different way. They decided we so much want to get into Jesus' presence. We so believe that he can help and that he is the answer that we're going to find a different way. And we so much want to help our friend. It's amazing, these four friends. You know, they could have just left him and said, listen, buddy, sorry, we really tried. It was difficult. The buses weren't working. We didn't have enough money. We slept late. And there was this problem and this problem. And then we got there in the crowds. And oh, and then there was this and that. Sorry, we really tried, but maybe next time. No, they thought, well, we're going to try another way. And such an extreme way, they climbed on top of the house with the bed, <laughs> with the man. Man, and they, Mark and Matthew tell us, they dug the tiles out of the roof. <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's absolutely astounding. I mean, if I was standing on the roof, I would have thought, listen, I've tried my best. There's nowhere to get in. Uh, oh, well. They dug the tiles out of the roof, made a hole in the roof. Can you imagine all the noise and the clutter and bits tiling falling down and the, and the expense. Oh, who's going to pay for this roof to be fixed? Oh, we're disturbing Jesus' important discussion with these doctors of the law. What's going on? What are we going to do? But they just kept at it and they let this man down into the room where Jesus was. So Jesus is sitting there having this discussion and the power of the Lord is there and he's talking to these theology doctors and suddenly this man just comes down and let, let down probably by ropes into the middle and he's right there in front of Jesus um, verse 20 when he saw their faith he said to him man your sins are forgiven you isn't that interesting he just he said your sins are forgiven you and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, Mark says, in his spirit he knew their thoughts. The Lord showed him in his spirit what they were thinking. He said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise up and walk. In other words, he was saying those two are the same thing. I could say one or the other, and it would have the same effect. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And then he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, can you imagine this man? I mean, it's been quite a day for him. 
His friends pick him up, carry him through the streets, and they're telling him, this man, Jesus, he can heal you, he can help you. And his hopes are getting up, and then the crowds are blocking them. Oh, all the stress. And then on the roof, no, guys, you can't destroy this person's roof. And they let him down. And then Jesus looks at him, says, your sins are forgiven. And Jesus says, I say to you, buddy, Ben, whatever his name was, I say to you, arise, pick up your bed, And go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We've seen strange things today. (laughs) We've seen strange things. I'd like to just look at four points today, very briefly. The man is my first point. The second point is Jesus. The third point is the obstacles. And the fourth point is the friends. So the man, he was paralyzed. He could do nothing. He was feeling little, uh, had no power, helpless, alone. Friends, if there's one thing that you need to know today, is that without Jesus, your body may be working But spiritually, you are as helpless as that paralyzed man was. You are completely powerless to save yourself when it comes to spiritual things and getting to heaven. If you try in your own strength by being religious, by being confirmed, by giving money, by helping the poor, by doing good, by attending church. If you try in your own strength to get to heaven, you are as helpless as a paralyzed man. You can do nothing. You are completely unable to save yourself. And so am I. None of us can save ourselves. We are paralyzed spiritually. But Jesus can save us. Amen. Very important. Secondly, Jesus. Jesus has the power to forgive and to heal. There's nobody else on planet earth who can do that. You know, every other religion and religious teacher and religious leader says, just be good, be better, try harder, and you'll get saved. Jesus is the only one who can say, your sins are forgiven. You are made clean. Spiritually, you were dead and paralyzed and and just unmoving on that bed. And look, I can make you alive. He's the only one. He is the only one. No other person, no other leader, no pastor, no other Christian person can do it. Jesus is the only one who can give you life. He's the place to go. And if you've been looking for that spiritual life in other places, you will always be disappointed. If you've been looking to a Christian leader for the answers, you'll be disappointed because you know what? We make mistakes. Christian leaders are just people. It doesn't matter who they are. They're just a person. They will say things that are not right from from time to time. They will do things that are not right. But Jesus is the answer. He's the only one who can raise you up. He has the power and the willingness to heal. Just before the story, there's a story of a leper, a man with leprosy who came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus touched his dirty, leprous, sick face and said, I am willing. Be made clean. Jesus is willing to heal you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to... 
try and be good enough. You don't have to have a clean life before you get into the bath of Christianity. You can come as you are. He's willing and able. The power of God was there to heal. I just want to say something briefly while we're on this point about the fact that Jesus said, I could say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. They're the same thing. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died for forgiveness and healing. It was all part of the same package. And I know for some of you, this might be a new concept. You might think that it's not part of the same package. You might think forgiveness is one thing which he bought for everyone, but healing is, I need to to have a special miracle for healing. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Forgiveness and healing were all bought on the cross when Jesus died. Psalm 103, verse 3 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. They're all in the same package. Isaiah 53, where it talks about what Jesus did on the cross, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. All of those things are in the same death on the cross. He bought forgiveness for everyone and healing for everyone. It's already been bought and paid for. We don't need to say, Lord, is it your will to heal this time? Because it's already bought. It's already part of the paid-for deal. Forgiveness and healing. He says, I could say one or the other. They're the same thing. He's already done it. He's already paid for it. He's already bought it. It's, it's not a question of, is it your will? It is His will. We're going to see as we look through the Gospels that Jesus never, ever said no to anyone for healing. He never said no. You know, nowadays, many, many Christians teach, well, the Lord sometimes says no, and it's all for a better purpose. If that was the Lord's will, don't you think Jesus would have said no at least once in his life? If it was sometimes the Lord's will to say no to healing, don't you think Jesus would have said no maybe at least once? But he never did. He never said no. He healed everybody who came to him. Everyone. And in fact, sometimes people who didn't even ask for healing, they got healed as well. There's one time in Mark chapter 6 where it says he could not heal. He wanted to, but because of their lack of faith, he went to his hometown of Nazareth and they said, isn't this little old Jesus? We saw him growing up. We remember him playing in the playground. And it says they did not honor him. And it says Jesus could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. It's not that he didn't want to. It was them that limited him. Jesus never said no. So he is the answer. The man was paralyzed. Jesus is the answer. Let's, the third point is the obstacles. The obstacles. What was in the way? You know, there was people in the way. And I want to say that today, sometimes it's people that get in the way of people coming to Christ. Uh, the great Gandhi, who was the leader in India, the, the wonderful man who led many people to freedom politically in India, Gandhi tried to become a Christian once. He went to a church in South Africa, and they turned him away. They said, you're not allowed in here because you're not a white man. And he said, after that, he said, I like Christ, but I don't like Christians. Can you imagine these 
four people carrying the bed with the paralyzed man and they come to the edge of the crowd and there's people all around and some are getting healed and some are getting blessed by what Jesus is saying and some of them are the religious scribes. And the people say, please, can we come through? And they turn around and I don't know what they said. No. Oh, find your own way. Oh, we're too busy. We're too busy getting blessed. Don't, don't disturb us. Have you been offended by people at church? <laughs> have, you got, have, have people in church got between you and Jesus? <laughs> have they? It's happened to all of us. I think every single one of us can say, a Christian has stopped me from seeing the real Jesus. It's happened. And it happens all the time. But these people would not be dissuaded. They said, it doesn't matter what all these other people, even if they call themselves Christians, if they're hypocrites, if they're religious, if they're whatever, I'm still going to get to Jesus. I'm not going to let them stop me from finding the real Jesus. And I just please would ask you and encourage you today, don't let somebody else's error stop you from finding Jesus. Imagine we get to the end of time and we're standing there on Judgment Day. And Jesus says, you know, my dear, whatever your name is, I tried to reach you so many times. And you say, yes, but it was him, that guy's fault. He was a hypocrite. And that Christian's fault, he was a this. And that pastor, he didn't represent you properly. And that religious leader and this group and this church, look at them. And he says, yes, I'm going to deal with them. But you, I wanted you to come to me. You see that we can't pull other people in and say, oh, well, it's their fault. He's going to deal with each one of them. I have to deal with Jesus on my own. And I mustn't let somebody else be the reason I don't find him. And these people, these four friends and the paralyzed man said, I will find Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And then lastly, these friends. Weren't these friends amazing? (laughs) How much did they love this man that they went to his house, they said, buddy, Let's just call him Ben, because I don't know why, but I just think his name was Ben. Maybe it wasn't. Ben, we're so sorry you're sick and sad and unhappy and unable. But Jesus is the answer, and we're going to help you get to him. And we're going to pick up your bed. We're going to walk through the streets. When we can't get there, we're going to think of other ways, alternative, out-of-the-box, weird ways of getting you to Jesus so that you can meet him. That is awesome. And that's what I want us as a church to be like. (laughs) I I so want for Lighthouse to be like these four friends. Where we get together and we say, how are we going to help our unsaved, paralyzed, needy brothers and sisters around the world to meet Jesus? Let's think of ways we can do it. If we can't do it this way, well, we'll try another way. If they won't come to church on Sunday, we'll go to them in the week. If they won't come here, we'll go there. If they won't listen to this, we'll try this. If they won't listen to traditional church, then we'll have a heavy metal rock band to get there. Whatever it takes. If they're in another country, we'll use the internet to reach them. Whatever it takes. We will get together. We won't let obstacles stop us. And if it might even cost us money. Can you imagine? Who paid for the tiles of that roof to be repaired? 
It may cost us reputation and embarrassment. Can you imagine all these religious leaders looking up, tut, tut, look at these four breaking this roof, tut, 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 how disrespectful. It may be that other Christians look at us and say, you guys, you rubbish, why are you, you know, why are you doing this and this and this? But we say, whatever it takes to help non-believers meet Jesus, we will do that. And we don't have to do all of it, we just have to get them to meet Jesus. He'll do the rest. We just need to show them Jesus. In whatever way we can. I would like us to stop for a minute and just think. Where am I in this story? Perhaps we could close our eyes, bow our heads. And just ask the Lord to help us now. Lord Jesus, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for the story. Thank you, Lord, that you put it in your word in the Bible. So that we could look at our own lives. And see where we are in the story. Lord Jesus, please help us today. Help us not to leave this place without having some change in our lives because of this story. Friends, I'd like to ask you today, are you the paralyzed man? Are you the paralyzed man? Where are you in this story? Do you feel that you're far from God? Do you feel that there's things... In your life that are not as they should be. And you know Jesus is the answer. But you haven't been able to meet him. You haven't got close to him. And it may even be physical healing that you need. Are you the paralyzed man? Or maybe you're a person who has come across obstacles. And you've let them stop you. Maybe somebody has offended you. Maybe the church has let you down. Or maybe it's just circumstances, obstacles, difficulties, lack of money, um, sickness in your body, uh, problems in your family, broken homes, loss of job. Life is hard. The pressure of life is hard. And you've allowed it to stop you from pursuing Jesus. You've said, it's just too hard. I just, I just can't go on anymore. Or thirdly, maybe you're one of the friends and you just need today... To say, I'm going to recommit my life to help other people find Jesus. I'm going to commit my time, my effort, my ideas, my energy, my resources to get in a team with other Christians and we're going to find a way to help others, to reach others, to bring them to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would touch each one of us and help us. Help us to push through, Lord. Help us to make a change. In Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Folks, we're going to sing a song or two. And in this time, I really ask you just to allow the Holy Spirit to just work in your heart. And allow you to make some decisions. Draw some lines in the sand and say, from today, things will be different. Amen.